Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I spent years being the face of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and broader LGBT issues. I put on a face that I was confident. It was all the face. I want you to become a leader and a boss and a teacher. Why do I avoid that? We instinctively move away from things that are scary for us. Step into it. I wasn't quite ready 22 years ago, but I am now. episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. As you know, on these Monday episodes, I like to talk about all things pop culture and, you know, just a little bit of real world homecoming. So to really, for me, mourn, but also celebrate the ending of Real World Homecoming, just a fabulous season, your friend and mine, Ray Sani. Hello, girl. Hi, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, a couple months ago, I did a, I reached out to people on Instagram and was like, tell me who you want to have back on as guests. And you were like far and away number one. So. Oh, that makes know. me feel very good. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, how annoying does everyone find me? You know, there's, have you ever like, um, have you ever, well, I'm sure you read the comments or whatever, or like the reviews, but I found people, I found out that people hate me on Reddit and, um, and, and also on Twitter, like there are people on Housewives, uh, Reddit and Housewives Twitter that cannot stand me. So, well, <laughs> well, you have a safe space over here. Okay. I, I know that to be true. Everybody's so excited. I'm sure. Thank- um, I've also just like on a personal selfish level really been wanting to talk about homecoming. So um, we're going to get through these topics. I felt like they were important and then we'll get into uh, real world homecoming. The first topic 
is about Todd Chrisley. Do you, have you ever seen Chrisley Knows Best? Like by- I've seen like, you know, like if you're like stoned and you're watching maybe watch what happens live or something, you just leave the right. TV there. Right. Some random Thursday, it'll be like all USA shows. And so they'll show Todd Chrisley's show. That's the only time I've seen it really. I've never actively pursued it. Okay. It's kind of like, the Bravo equivalent of ridiculousness. Like it's always on and I don't know who's watching, you know, like who's the audience. I don't, but nevertheless, they persist, but not for long, (laughs) apparently because uh, both Todd and Julie are about to clankety clank it up in the Fulton County jail. Maybe. Um, So last week they were found guilty of every single charge that was up against them in terms of (laughs) fraud, scamming, um, you know, fudging numbers in order to get property, just like right out of the playbook, the Judy J playbook, if you will. Yes. Um, They're looking at 30 years (laughs) for this, both of them. And Mm -hmm. uh, as of now, they're on house arrest. Um, I think they're due to be sentenced sometime in October. Um, They're being monitored and the whole thing. Um, This is shocking to me. What's shocking about it? (laughs) Um, I just feel like in this day and age, like I watched maybe the first three seasons by choice and I actually enjoyed it. It, Like, but again, it was like what I call a Saturday show. Just like when it's on, it's on. Yeah. Peep it while I'm like making my bed or whatever. But um, it, was clear to me from the jump that they were scammers because he wanted yeah. to um, create a like a new department store. And I'm like, bro, malls are over. They've been over. They're not coming back. What are you thinking? Like, this is very stupid. You just um, want to wash money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess I'm just surprised that they didn't, like take the lick that they got out of this show and mm-hmm. go and funnel it into some, um, you know, clean money because listen i'm i've known a gangbanger or two in my day <laughs> they do <laughs> when you want to get legitimate you like put that money into like actual real estate and then you start you know getting into that game like you put it into legal shit you hustle till you get like legal money and then you like change your ways bro like so that's what i thought was going to happen yeah but if you are arrogant enough first of all and to want to be on reality tv is psychotic in the first place like can we just admit that like you, like to want to be famous for being yourself is crazy and then to do that while knowing you are committing not like just crimes not federal crimes you are defrauding the irs of the united states yeah. and you still got your happy ass on tv like that's arrogance that's unparalleled you can't find it anywhere of course they didn't leave with that one lick they thought they were flying high because if you're crazy enough to get away with defrauding the irs for that long and then go on tv and still they've been on tv for what like five years six years at this point at least so so it's like okay they just didn't think they would get caught you know what i mean yeah Eight years. They started in March 2014. Um, it's it's truly unbelievable. And you brought the whole family into it. Like you got right. your kids, you got your your son's little black half black baby. <laughs> you got the grandmas involved. Like See, I've been wondering about that. I've been wondering about that son because like the son is a deadbeat, and so is his baby moms, right? 
And yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, like it's sweet that the grandparents took in this this daughter of his kid, but like I was like, what kind of parents were they that they raised a deadbeat like that when they have so much money and then the daughter is estranged from them completely. And it turns out they're dirtbags too. That's why he's a dirtbag. <laughs> is that what we think is happening with Chet Hanks? Like, is Tom Hanks really a dirtbag? Ooh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna broach it. You're gonna have right. to make me confront things I don't wanna confront. I know, I know. <laughs> we have to be ready for things like that and I'm not ready to let go of Tom. I'm just not, okay? No, I'm me not. neither. <laughs> Um, also, low-key, I'm not ready to let go of Chet, but that's another conversation. <laughs> that You're on your own on that one, girl. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I know. You've, hated, you've hated him appropriately earlier and, and smarter than the rest of us. But I also made him, like, way more famous than he deserves. So, you know, that the egg's really on my face with that one. So, um <laughs> Uh, how long do you think they'll end up getting? What do you think their sentencing will actually be out of um, the third year? I think the judge will take mm-hmm. into consideration the fact that they were raising their grandchild and they have a they have a relatively young son, right? Like a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And it's like both parents. I don't think both parents are going to get thirty years. I would guess they did enough crime for 30 years to be an option. And they got convicted of a lot of stuff. Like I was reading the article, Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, you did this and this and this. So they have to go for a significant amount of time. I would guess maybe like 15, you know? And and, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, one would go to jail first, you know, staggered kind of like Teresa. Teresa and Joe did, but obviously you can't wait 15 years for somebody to do their right. sentence. So maybe the, it'll be like, oh, since Julie got convicted of more crimes than Todd did, maybe Todd gets to be home now a little longer than Julie and, mm-hmm. you know, get their affairs in order sort of thing. Right. I'm I'm sensing because they're allowed to just like be in their homes for the next five months um that it's going to be a, a slap on the wrist comparatively you think in my, so in my I mind think, i'm seeing six years I, i'm six. seeing six i think I, they, I think i think this they wait what they got convicted in a federal case yeah but in what yeah. state was the was the uh case happening um i'm not sure if it i don't think it was georgia i think maybe it was north carolina okay because depending on the state you know how these tough on crime states can be yeah. And I think, like, the judge might be offended that they would be arrogant enough as to, like, do these crimes while on camera. Although a lot of them came right. before the show, but, like, there might right. be, like, a lesson learned kind of thing. Anyway, I'm, I don't know what I want for them. I don't know. Do you want them to suffer? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing that they'll get, like, in my mind, I'm seeing that they'll get 10, but they'll only be there for six years. I think if it's federal stuff, you have to serve your time. You have to serve at least a certain amount. I, think okay. the, I don't think the feds are on that, like, uh, good behavior shit. They do not. Okay. I think you have to serve out your full time. Well, listen up, Jen Shaw. Listen Hello? up, girl. She's an yeah. idiot. I would have been folded. She's crazy. <laughs> One thing that is so astonishing to me about this, like, Todd Chrisley thing is, like, you know, 
being gay is not salacious. Like that's such an antiquated thing. But what is shocking to me is that they revealed it in court and then nobody's saying anything about it. I think everybody's just like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, what what more is there to say? But I'm sitting here like, Julie, you not pissed? This man got you about to go to jail for 30 years and he was smashing around (laughs) on you? Come on. She just found out in the court of law that she was getting cheated on. True. (laughs) Her husband was seducing, uh, like seducing this dude into doing bad things. It's so like out of a spy movie. It's wild. It's wild. But I don't know. There's something like I can see in Julie that she knew. She knew. You know, there's a certain kind of Southern woman who just, they know that their life has to go down a certain track and they'll <laughs> do whatever it takes to get there. And it doesn't matter if there's no love there at all, you know? So, oh, man, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, man. her life shouldn't have taken a criminal track. She did that. <laughs> so why couldn't she shake the marrying somebody who's clearly not in love with you? True. <laughs> True. At least don't send me to jail. Damn. Um, yeah. Um, so moving on to a, another topic that was like high highs and low lows, the mm-hmm. high high being that Britney Spears got married. Now I just want to issue a personal disclaimer because, you know, a lot of you guys had opinions about this marriage in my, on my Instagram comments and that's fair, but I think I'm just like so high on the fact that Britney is able to do anything that like, mm-hmm. I can't, focus on the fact that this might not be the right guy for her you know what I mean I mean is he like I don't know him he might be the right guy for her and he's been around for long enough you know what I'm saying yeah I mean so if he's scamming her she loves it um right I'm happy that she gets to get married too you know it's kind of crazy to think like just we don't have to rehash the whole conservatorship saga but like it is kind of wild to think, oh, man, there, there's my person. I've wanted them forever. I've been with this person for so long. This is my mm-hmm. one. And my daddy says I can't marry him. That's right. nuts just in general. And then to be, like, someone worth, like, what is she worth, like, $80 million? And your daddy's still telling you you can't marry somebody? God bless them. Have a stupid wedding. Get Get robbed blind. I don't care as long as you're happy. Yeah, I think, you know, let her make a mistake if, if it's a mistake, you know? She, I mean, he's really hot so uh, if nothing else she'll have that uh, yes that's true she do get to be fucking him <laughs> right. that, that is a good trade-off like i'll lose half my fortune but he do look like that <laughs> right like forever it's like okay like you get it right like it stings a little less when they're hot you know yeah. nothing hurts like being played by an ugly man okay yes no. oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i have stories upon stories Girl, don't get me started so <laughs> Um, the low low, of course, being Jason Alexander's weird January 6th ass pulling up on her property willy nilly, uh, with a knife. With a knife. And um his Instagram live popping. Like, what the fuck was what what's going on? What's going on here? So first of all. (laughs) What'd you say? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Why why is he not in jail for being at the Capitol? Would be my first question. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. Yes. Why are you not a subject of a January 6th hearing footage? Um, But also to like, how long ago did Britney marry him? Wasn't that before even the conservatorship? Way before. Um, So like 20 years at this point, right? 
Yeah. And this was, they were married for 55 hours. Like this right. was How did, first of all, do you remember how he met her? Like, did, was Brittany just partying on the strip and then they went and got married? She like met that guy that night and got married to him? Why did I feel like she knew him from like back in the day? Oh, like a childhood friend. That would explain the January 6th shit, you know, since he's from Louisiana. <laughs> right. Um, you know, sometimes my my Britney history gets mixed up. So don't come for me. I don't know what the, her stands are called. That, that might not be right. Okay. Sorry. The point is, they, they didn't know each other like that. And they were only married for two seconds. Okay. And that is literally insane. How did he get her address? That did- is crazy to me. That's the part that tripped me the fuck out. Like, okay, like we haven't been together for like 20 years. And like, I've been through this really insane thing that like, I couldn't possibly have been worried. Like it could, it probably didn't even occur to her that she should be scared of her ex from before the conservatorship. You know what I mean? Like apparently it didn't occur to any of their security team who needs all of their asses need to be fired. Okay. Yeah. How, how is it possible that this one person, the dude was running on IG live. Nobody tipped them off or anything. That is insane to me. Like he was on all areas of the property, walking, opening up doors, screaming her name. And that security guard's just like, hey, uh, be cool, man. You know, like, <laughs> well, excuse me? <laughs> like, what the fuck? That was so wild. So polite. Hey, stalker, won't you be kind enough to leave the premises? Right. That yeah, really scary yes and her team is lax like one okay this is maybe i'm poor so i can't fathom it but like i also wouldn't just get married at my house yeah um not that i'm anticipating anybody stalking me and breaking in just like oh (laughs) we get married in our homes now i didn't know that (laughs) i guess i mean you would think that there would have been like even more security that day than usual because of the occasion. But yeah, that's, that's really, really wild to me, but I'm happy for her. I, yeah, I'm I'm happy for her and her little choker. I don't like the I didn't like her look. Okay. But I'm happy for her. Oh, it was a childhood friend. I've just looked it up. Yeah. Oh, four Spears married childhood friend, Jason Allen Alexander. Yeah. 18 years ago. Fuck out of here. Wait, oh my God, the cop, oh wait, the marriage was annulled 55 hours later following a petition to this court that stated that Spears lacked understanding of her actions. So she was, was she having like a manic episode or something when she married him? Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't want to speculate about her brain health, but like, yeah, the fact that he took that shit this 20 years later Holy moly. And like, if you really like about that life and you were going to pull up on a knife, you should have done that when Jamie was there. Okay. You could have freed your girl. What's he saying? I'm getting my girl. You could have freed your girl anytime in the last 15 years. Right. And I would have been on your side. (laughs) But also the knife, the knife is scary because obviously like, obviously like, Whatever, he shouldn't, anybody stalking is dangerous in the first place. But, like, was he trying to kill Britney Spears? Like, what the fuck, yo? Right. Like, where, what was in your mind when you took the knife with you? What did you think was going to happen? That would be a, a, maybe an aha moment for me, you know? <laughs> maybe I just stayed <laughs> home. 
I'm about to try and assassinate like one of the most famous pop stars ever. <laughs> like maybe I should put this knife down. <laughs> take a breath. Think about things. Uh, speaking of people who really need to take a breath, Nick. Oh no, sir. Nicholas Cannon has emptied his clip once again on we're talking. <laughs> Four, maybe more women, okay? Wait, what? Excuse me? I only know about the one. Uh, I heard that there were... I saw a whole picture on the shade room of a collage of women. Oh, no. Um, that are that yeah. are presently pregnant? Yeah. I thought it was two who are pregnant now. I, I've heard four. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Three and one, one of the women who's pregnant now is a double dipper, and I'm really pissed about it. Not <laughs> pissed. Who cares? But like, um, this are you dumb? Are you fucking dumb? The man's not gonna be rich anymore if there are twenty children to divide the money amongst. Exactly. You're not I, even gonna I, live I, well. My thank, goodness. Thank God, Moroccan and Monroe are taken care of. But what about the rest of them? Do you what think about Mariah? Let them talk to their little brother and sister. <laughs> I think about this a lot. Like, what's the interaction there? Um, mm, I I feel like maybe the first two that came along, she's like, yeah, okay. But at this point, like, she doesn't have time. She's got her own right. things on. Because like, it's that's you're so right. She doesn't have time because like, when a man has a million children, it's like sucking energy out of the other baby mamas too. Like. Yeah. There's coordinating that has to be done. Like, what holiday does who get wet? What that's like that's absolutely ridiculous. Did you see that clip of him on Lip Service podcast? Yes, I was gonna mention that how he, you know, he had previously announced that he was gonna be celibate, but then he admitted later that he only did that for about a month, and then after that, he like was just again letting the chopper spray all over whatever light skinned woman he could find so I know, right they're all ethnically ambiguous like <laughs> failed models or whatever my goodness in that collage though one of them was black one of them was yeah the, uh, the um the really pretty one from the front end video right mm-hmm yep so um, but uh, I, i'm sick of this man i really am what <clears throat> what's so frustrating to me was like um on the lip service podcast clip that i saw was when they were like asking him about diseases and one of the women was like you know do you give these women bv bouncing from woman to woman one i was very glad that a person in public talked about bv i think like for as common a disorder that that can be like no Mm. one talks about it ever but i guess you know no one wants to talk about stinky box but like um the the fact that he had like even had a like he had done the research on it and still wasn't horrified at his own behavior he was like well you know i get since i have lupus i get tested my blood gets tested frequently enough and you know men can have yeast and bv columns and um so i'm very careful about 
being checked for diseases before I go in between women, essentially, is what he was saying. And I was like, that's not insane to you. You don't think that you should slow down when your, like, mating patterns require blood tests every fucking week? I mean, obviously, he's getting blood tests for the autoimmune disease. But, like, my God, that that you're this scientific and clinical about going between your multiple... And, like, that's disgusting. It just feels like, to me... A lack of respect for the those those women's bodies and just lack of respect for himself. But those yeah. women too, like at this, you like if you're baby mama number number eight, you're a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> and that's on period too. Okay, like I don't get it. I don't. I have big question marks for. He's everybody. not even hot. He's not even hot. No. That, the thing that blows my mind, like Nick Cannon is like cute. When I was like little, Nick Cannon was cute, like on Nickelodeon, like, oh my God, I have a crush on Nick Cannon. But that was like when I was like eight, you know what I'm saying? Like Nick Cannon, he's not that cute. He looks like every other nigga on the block, excuse me for N words. And like he he's so fucking corny. Like I He's couldn't so even corny. fake it. I couldn't even fake it. Like, oh my gosh, like Rafa, just laugh at his joke because you're in a Maybach. But I couldn't. The joke <laughs> wouldn't I just wouldn't be able to. He's so cringy. He's not just not funny. He's so cringy. So awkward. Yeah. And then, like I said before, like if you keep having these babies, the money's gonna be divvied up. You're not gonna be living that luxuriously by the end of all this. Right. Like the America's got talent money. Is only going to last for so long, okay? Um, people always talk about how Russell Wilson is corny, but I'm with you. Like, I think Nick Cannon is way more corny than him. Oh, yeah. And the thing that's, like, cornier about um, Nick Cannon versus Russell Wilson is, like, Nick Cannon walks around with a desperation that Russell Wilson doesn't have. Like, I'm confident Russell Wilson has a monster dick or at least knows what he's doing in bed because that dude is so at ease. He's not stressed. All of these other haters are like, you're square this, you're square that. And he's like, I'm putting it down on Ciara every day. Get, I'm cool, I'm good. But Nick Cannon, you know those, like, Whatever, I w- I'm a private school kid. And um, so, like, when you're a black kid or whatever who goes to a predominantly white school, you just kind of, like, there's, like, a, a trying to prove you a gangster kind of thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Nick Cannon has that, like, trying to prove you're still gangster or black in a certain kind of way. Kind yeah. Of energy where it's, like, you were raised on TV, Nick. We saw you. But he, like, right. still wants to be down. You know what right. I mean? And And, like... <laughs> Russell Wilson is like, yeah, I mean, I'm a dweeb. I played baseball. You know, my first wife was not great looking. Like, who cares? <laughs> Sierra's doing like that. You know the move she did in the O music video? I know. She's Ooh. doing that to him every night, you know? Every night. Know. And, he, and he's so rich. I mean, he's so rich. Yeah. And I know nothing about football, but I, apparently he's very good at it. No, so. he's excellent. Yeah. He's, like, astonishingly yeah. good. And he, um, and like, he wasn't even, like, supposed to be good. That's what's even crazier about it. He got, like, drafted, but he wasn't, like, expected to be legendary. And then he just had, like, a legendary season and then kept having incredible seasons. And I was just like, so we just not going to stop? We just going to keep being really good and he was like yep i'm gonna keep being really good at this good for him so the point is ladies 
Um, Nick Cannon's corny. <laughs> That's what and, and, and don't smash a nigga who's comfortable talking about the mechanics of BV. Now, you should, you should know about BV. Men should care about their partner's vaginal health. But like a man who knows how to avoid giving it between partners, red flag immediately. Agreed. Uh, absolutely agreed. Ugh. Oof. Okay. Um, now that we're done with these talk- topics, let's talk about just an incredible season of Real World Homecoming, New Orleans. I'm like really sad that it's off and done now because Me too. I feel like it was my anchor show. Like I enjoy watching television, but there are just usually once. There's only there's only one show usually that like really has my attention, and mm-hmm. this has had my attention for the past eight episodes. So good, yeah. highly it recommend. Is- I was astonished by how much I was invested, enjoyed it, um, and I was like, you know, we love reality TV, and half of the time, or more often than not, it's just laughter, kiki. These people are silly. What a ridiculous person! And you sort of once the season is over, you stop thinking about them, and then it comes back up when they come back around. But like I've been thinking deeply about these people for three weeks or, or, or however many weeks it's been. But like mm-hmm. why did I say three? There was eight episodes. <laughs> anyway, um, but like <laughs> but like I've been thinking deeply about them and I'm surprised by how much I give a fuck. Yeah. It, it's rare that I will use the word compelling. And this was actually like compelling, insightful, nuanced, really quality television, as well as being like really entertaining. Really entertaining. So, okay, safe space. How many times did you cry watching this season? Ooh, um, I could have cried probably three times, but I don't think I... I haven't cried in a while, just in general. Oh. So it's been well, a good... Tara, you got something you want to talk about? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this is called everyone's business but mine for a reason. But, um, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> It's, uh, it's been a good, a good time for me. But um, yeah, I mean, there have definitely been like, so times where I've been like passionately feeling emotional in moments, particularly like with Danny and mm-hmm. Melissa and Tokyo and just like the Godzilla that's been tearing their way through New Orleans. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, so I'm like, I made internet friends with Melissa. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm trying to convert that into real friends. And so... Same. Same. <laughs> and so, like, she, she... One, she's incredible. Like, that energy that's on the show is, like, her. Um, yeah. But she was, like, kind of hinting to me things. Um, and when I saw the final episode with, uh, with Kelly... It all just occurred to me. I get the, I guess the energy or the understanding was like, and we saw it clearly throughout the series, but I didn't realize how maliciously Julie was moving. I thought that there was a, um, maybe a desperation just to get back on TV, you know, just to be seen. And mm-hmm. I thought maybe perhaps because let's be real about it. I, you know, as the little black girl watching the show, I paid the most attention to, to David and Melissa. Mm-hmm. But 
that's because I'm black, so you identify with black people on TV. But the, if we're being honest, the stars of the series, the first go round, were Danny and Julie. And right. so, like, I was like, oh, maybe Julie just sort of was thrilled to be like returned to this glory where like MTV had edited her into this interesting, um, you know, star of the of the cast. And I thought, you know, she was chasing that, you know, trying to relive glory years. Yeah. But then it became clear she was malicious in her movement. It wasn't just, I'm thirsty. It was like, I'm thirsty and I want to ruin this experience for you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely seemed like she came back with this, like, manic pixie dream girl returns kind of attitude. <laughs> but she was just she was just manic man <laughs> <laughs> a manic nightmare um yeah she definitely came in with an agenda and i fully agreed you tweeted the other day that you definitely thought that julie was like angling to be on the challenge which was very obvious and why she wore athleisure the entire time oh yes um, showed off her body insanely yeah right so yeah she's just an absolute menace to society um <laughs> i I've been, we're like, trying about, like, to... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to talk about what Kelly said on her Instagram when we're done. But, uh, yeah, I... To your point, I even said this on the podcast. There were a couple times where I thought Kelly was being a little uptight. But now, knowing the whole story, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I totally get it. I totally. That's so interesting. I didn't find Kelly uptight. I found... Um, I found her disarming in a way that's, you know, not usual for people but like for her to very clearly express boundaries was like mm. kind of jarring to watch on tv yeah. you never really see someone go i'm uncomfortable with this and i'm gonna stay uncomfortable and i'm gonna tell you and articulate very plainly why that is so i've right. never seen that really before and it kind of comes off cold but it's like I don't know. I I didn't find I didn't think she was uptight. I thought she was careful and um I appreciated that because when you have such a wild card in the house, like Julie was like trying to fuck Jamie or at least trying to make us think she was trying to fuck get Jamie. That's like an insane thing to do. And like I, like I can imagine how immediately terrible it must have felt like the energy in the house immediately terrible. Like it, when when Julie did that to t Tokyo, I couldn't believe she still had friends in the house after that. Obviously, to ice someone out would make your experience terrible. But for me, that would have been the end. To call this black man violent, he's apologizing to you. He's apologizing for not being as communicative or participating as actively the first go round. And yeah. so in a, in apology, he overextends himself to you. Bitch, you threw, you are 40 and you threw up crackers on the floor of the bedroom <laughs> that we share. And you have the audacity to call me violent and say, I hurt you the next morning. Suck my fucking dick. And That's like, silly. I couldn't, I could not believe. And you know, when Danny was like, oh, it was violent. I was like, fuck you, Danny. Like, I couldn't believe that, you know, right. it just... I I have heard that he has since apologized or, you know, reached out and said, like, oh, had I known, like, the situation, like, it, I wish I had never said anything. Um, 
and I think Melissa said that on her podcast. So I will give him like a little credit for that because I think he was like, oh, I wasn't seeing the full scope of what was going on because he was also wasted. Wait, <laughs> like, you know, I, I can I can beat that. I found him entirely too diplomatic sometimes, yeah. to be yeah. honest. I, I found him too. He gave Julie way too much grace often. And he gave Matt, in my opinion, way too. The world gives Matt way too much grace. Even oh. Melissa gave Matt too much grace. I was like, no, this thing is crazy. Treat him <laughs> as such. Yeah, no, I agree. I find that to be very triggering as somebody who uh, went to, attended a predominantly white church. And you mm-hmm. see these people who, and also like in Georgia, who will smile in your face, but they're, they have very sinister and dark motives. And it's just like yes. upsetting to me. And the whole like, I... I mean, for him to sit there and look in Matt's face, Danny's face, and say, uh, "I don't know why God made you the way He did," like, like what? what the fuck, yo? Like that—that that should elicit a dirty slap. Obviously, you shouldn't be hitting people. Blah blah blah. Disclaimer. But dirty slap. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. even even just. Um, so when you say the word sinister, I get the I get sinister off of him too. I'm not trying to cast aspersions about his sexuality or anything like that. But for me, the way he was so terrified at the uh, at the the tarot lady, what? I was like, this is a person who is keeping secrets or is scared of himself because there's no way that in New Orleans of all city, it's like a tourist like necessity to get read somewhere and you knew that that was gonna happen when you went to new orleans to film a tv show and for you to just be so terrified by the soothsayer in the garden was just so weird to me just let her read you roll your eyes and not listen to what she had to say like i didn't understand why it made him like jump out of his skin that this lady was in there and i'm then it just made my brain go like what are you scared of? Are you scared of yourself? Are you scared that you will be seduced to the dark side? Is there something about yourself you're not confronting? I just didn't understand it. And exactly. and then there's like, there was always this, and it's not just that he's, that he's, you know, this kind of, he's Catholic, but moves like an evangelical, which is so confounding to me. But yeah. like, you it's I have to like remind myself that he's Catholic because it's very much like yeah like hardcore evangelical Christian to me it's it's interesting it's so weird because like I feel like Catholics in this country have sort of become more casual over time like that's what I thought it was it was so weird but also like the he's very judgmental and he but he is this is also why I think he's sinister. He's also very calculating about hiding that fact. You know, he always yeah. he always uses phrases that are meant to um, elicit more intimacy than the situation calls for. And it feels deliberate and manipulative to me. Like um, in the last episode when they were like talking about going to paint with Lionel, he just sort of seemed to like exaggerate the importance Lionel had on his life or the relationship that they had when they were in the house and I was like 
I was like, does he, is he kind of being like, oh, make it look like I'm good friends with this black person and, you know, that this meaningful experience was like powerful or whatever. Or like, uh, you know, just the way he dances or it just seems like there's always a it, an attempt to appear approachable and casual, but yeah. like deep down there's nothing kind there and you know even the clips with his children i just like nothing is authentic about this guy like not a single thing comes across genuine i remember like being struck in particular by now of course julie was fucked up and annoying but i remember being struck by how when julie came home drunk that night and tokyo was taking care of her in the room. Matt wasn't helping, but he was no. there watching. Just and that was so weird to me. Very weird. Very weird. And like a, a point about the tarot, like even if he, he didn't even have to go, why did you have to have a sit down conversation with Melissa chastising her? For right. This? Like that was so beyond to me. And yeah, like the way he was just observing that whole situation was very like, weird there's a there's somebody trapped inside there and i right. see it. i see it it's like and it's not i'm not convinced that whoever's in there is a good person no no no, no, and, no, no. and oh my god it was so i was that's why i'm disappointed in danny because danny almost made him confront himself almost but danny relented at the end of the episode and i was like damn um when, yeah, I wish he hadn't apologized. Yes, but I loved when I loved when Danny said, "Like your apology isn't gonna work here," or I I don't remember the exact wording, but basically being like apologizing for thinking I'm a sin is not gonna be enough. And I was right. like, yes, let him let him force himself to be uncomfortable because he made you uncomfortable back then and initially in this conversation. Don't let his apology smooth this over. Disarm him. Make him talk straight up about it. But then he just, you know, I know people like Matt from my neighborhood. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, <laughs> even at the final table, remember when uh, Melissa very reasonably, calmly, you know, like a normal person says to Danny, I understand the impact of this show on you because you didn't know that you were going to become the face of this important thing. And that must have been tough and very scary. And Danny's like talking about how much he loved them and this experience, even though he would have done it differently. And the only people who jumped up to hug him and make the moment about them were the two weirdo Christians. Thank you. Thank you. I wrote that in my note. How is it the two people who got mo most emotional and were all like, oh, let's lay hands on Danny. We're Julie and Matt. Why? Why? It was so performative and weird. And like, even Jamie was like more with Melissa where he's like acknowledging this is probably really fucking hard for you. And like, you know, this, I, I see it, you know, like, what a hard transition that must have been for you. Right. And be like, oh, like you literally don't think of him as human, man. Right. <laughs> literally, you said, I don't know why God made you like you. Right. <laughs> Do you like, can you imagine someone saying that to your face, yo? Like for real. I don't know what I would do. Like, I think I would cry. Like, I don't know, like, what? It's so beyond the pale. It's so it, fucked up. It's very cruel. Like, 
it's it's such a harsh thing to say and to think that you're saying it with love like he offered it as if it was like a good thing hey i can't explain god's wonders like he was that was what he offered as consolation i could not believe it but like okay what is what is i don't know what to make of jamie jamie is interesting to me um i I feel like in many ways I'm familiar with a Jamie type, just mm-hmm. of the guys that I grew up with. Um, and <laughs> Jamie seems to have been one of those guys that like maybe went to Bali in 1998 and it just like, he like got some prayer beads and he's got <laughs> a lot of like Buddhist quotes and stuff. Um, but Jamie's also interesting to me because like he should have been like, I think he went to Cornell or, you know, yeah, that's schools, like, so weird. Go ahead, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Well, no, I mean, like, obviously his life didn't work out the way he thought it was going right. to. And so that's very interesting. And I would like to hear more about, like, what he did between, like, just in the last 10 years. Like, what what was Jamie up to? Right, and I, I think he didn't it. want to talk to us about that. Like, I, I agree, I agree. I think he's embarrassed a little bit. But yeah. what, I, what was confusing most about Jamie to me was um, when... When we were younger, in retrospect, Jamie was, even though he had blind spots on things like race or whatever, Jamie was very, very sharp and could read people really well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just seemed very, like, with it, like, knew what was going on. And I, like, it was weird. He seemed, I don't know how to explain it other than he seemed foggy to me a little bit. like. He didn't he didn't seem to have the same clarity. He didn't seem to be as like in tune with other people's energies in the way he had been the first go around. You know, just even like him not understanding why Kelly was uncomfortable was so shocking to me because wouldn't you have didn't Kelly just a day ago tell you guys that she always packages pain and or discomfort in a nice bow but then the next day you said that you didn't understand or you didn't see that her experience was a poor one and I was like why didn't it occur to you that she was faking and she got tired or like even with Julie it's like does he know what Julie's doing is this a choice because he misses the attention or yeah or mentioned about that too is or is it like he's oblivious? He really thinks that Julie wants to be his friend. I think it's part of it. He, I don't. I'm confused because a lot of the things she, a lot of their interactions seem like he was uncomfortable with her. Right, but I, then a lot of them seemed like he was having a blast. Right, <laughs> the ones when he was drunk, he seemed to have fun like in the tub yeah. when she's talking about his body that was so creepy too you don't need to work out much like you fucking <laughs> weirdo and like <laughs> when they're running around the house loud when he's drunk you know or even yeah. like how does she know what his porn stash is right I think I heard that like he had it on his oculus or whatever <laughs> but um yeah, he's an enigma for me. He seems like he would be like fun to have like three to five drinks with. Again, <laughs> like he seems like a good time gal, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and and then I was like, I was like, is is Julie really trying to get a threesome popping right now? Like, 
What was she doing? I girl, <laughs> and for so many, all of we saw, all of what we saw on TV, I'm like, I don't know what is going on. To me, she seems like she would have, you know, also made a tent outside and had sex with Jamie if he even breathed in her direction and let her think that that was okay. Right. She's so desperate and she's willing to burn whatever bridge to get whatever it is that she thinks that she's getting out of this. I, I mean, is the $12,000 that you're going to get from the challenge worth it? <laughs> I don't think so. It will be only 12000 too. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. But like, but like also to like, she even, so like, let's give her, let's give her the um, benefit of the doubt that she is a not particularly weird, but clever mastermind trying to create the best possible TV series, right? Like, let's just give her that as motivation. Mm-hmm. Even within that, there were things that didn't make sense. So your husband gives you a pass, but you don't take it, even though it seems like you've been begging for a pass. And then suddenly she was prude. Like, I would never do that. And you would never do that. We would never do that to each other. But it's like, but you've basically been behaving in a way that makes it looks like you do that and that you do it frequently and that you're trying to do it here. I was like, so are you and your husband open or not? You know what I'm saying? Are you and your husband trying to 
you know, be these exhibitionists on TV or not. Like, even if the husband was in on it, because at some point I started to think he was too. Like, the, he did look uncomfortable talking about Jamie's porn in the in the in the confessional, and then he did look uncomfortable when Julie tried to fuck him in that tent on the patio at forty years old. You loser! <laughs> and, and like, and but then they did fuck up in the tent, right? I think he like fingered her or something. It was weird. I, I can't make heads or tails of Spencer, but I mean that's no. That, that's also, he's like so weird looking. God forgive me, that's not nice. But he's like, <laughs> like isn't he too skinny? Look, he's a little too thin. It was yeah. like skeletal or whatever. And I was just like, but Julie also is astonishingly skinny. Um, yeah. They just, I don't know. There was just an energy that through the screen stressed me out. Like I saw a tweet from that uh, account really funny chase mitchell and he was like um watching real world new orleans homecoming it's just like every um every so often julie does something weird and then i have to pause the tv and take a lap around the house right <laughs> right i was like this is a true story like it's so uncomfortable <laughs> but like when she asked tokyo to take a shower with her like what were you doing oh. Because I because that happened in the first episode, so right. it kind of was a blip on my radar. Like I was just like, oh, that's a bizarre thing. She but she just wants to, you know, she's just a weirdo trying to over connect, you know, overdo it. But then you know when the sexual stuff started to really drive the story later, I was like, was she trying to get BBC from Tokyo in the shower? <laughs> right. Like, where was she going to go with that? Never in my life. And I'm not really, like, one of those people who are like, I'm married, so blah, blah, blah. I mean, because I'm not married, probably. But, like, <laughs> they're also, like, like, girl, that is so inappropriate. That is so weird and inappropriate. Like, why would you do that? Why would anybody do that? It's, cr like, that was so weird. And, and you know, Tokyo, of all people, like, when Tokyo was David and Tokyo now is not the kind of person you confront with sex that way. He never seemed like the kind of person that would be comfortable with, you know, a parading or a flaunting of sexuality of any kind. He, right. So, like, to just, you know, dump that on him, like, the first day, it would... She just, she's just a tornado, that one. And she has no concern for how she just sweeps everyone up in her chaos and just leaves wreckage behind. And then when she dies down, is confused that people are uncomfortable. She gaslit the fuck out of Kelly. And you know I don't like that word. Well, you don't know. I don't like that <laughs> word. I think it's overused all the time. But right. that conversation was so manipulative. And good on Kelly for not successfully being gaslit. But, like, she really turned that shit so quickly. It's like, you just showed me your husband's dick without my permission. Let's not make this about me not wanting to be your friend. What the fuck right. is wrong with you? <laughs> And she tried to have that moment when Kelly announces she's leaving. She's like, I, I feel a little guilty. Like, is this my fault? Are you mad at me? And Kelly had to be like, hug her and be like, no, it wasn't because of you. When it was. And she when it was. <laughs> and that sucked. That sucks. I hate when, I hate when the terrorist has control that way. That like, not only have you committed your acts of terror, but now everyone has been successfully overwhelmed. And so 
they are your victims but are behaving in like apology as if they're the ones who've done something to you do you remember when melissa apologized to her now like Mm -hmm. melissa i got the sense that it was like okay you're not going angry black lady me on tv let me just nip this in the bud right now but like still even the fact that she felt compelled to do so or like danny felt compelled to forgive her after she screwed him out of money when he could have really used it. Like, that's crazy. Did you hear that 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 the management team they were talking about was her fucking mom? I, I just heard that the other day. I, girl, not surprised. Not surprised at all. <sighs> I don't not- know. That woman really... That woman really exhausted the fuck out of me. But I no, couldn't I stop watching, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and and you've heard a great point. Like, she puts people in a position where, like, she's a monster and then suddenly she's disarming to where if you then speak up for yourself, then she becomes a victim. And so you don't because it's just not worth it. You know, it, right. and that sucks. It's, it's like, a real shitty position to put people in. And can you, like, imagine, like, first of all, everything about Tokyo, like, ugh. I loved it. I'm so glad we got to see him. Um, And it kind of makes me angry MTV um, for how they edited David back then. Because Mm -hmm. he, like, is such a sweet, sensitive boy. (laughs) I don't mean to infantilize him, but, like, he just is, he's, like, He's nothing you would ever expect from anyone in his packaging back then or now. And he's like, he was, he's genuine. Like, there's so many people who walk around being like, I'm so misunderstood. But like, he really was. And yeah. even when they like explained, like with the never before seen footage, like Kelly had such a strong reaction to David making his song and answering those questions about himself with music when all he wanted to do was articulate himself in Mm -hmm. the most like beautiful way he knew how and the fact that MTV didn't include that footage in episodes makes me really mad because the reason you cast David back then was because obviously those things that are special about him were clear to you. So why didn't you give that to all of us? Why didn't you, like, why couldn't it be that the edit isn't that David is difficult, it's that David is trying to express himself and because the roommates don't get it, they're stifling him. Why didn't you tell us that before? Why did you wait 20 years to show us that? I was so upset with like the production in that regard. Right, because in my memory of it, this was a guy who was just like so pompous and like so ass that like he just wanted to like ruin the thing that they had and by being difficult when reality is like he was trying to get people to understand him. And I definitely understood him a lot more watching this episode of him being like, okay, I only had like so much energy for these two weeks and mm-hmm. it really took up like 70% of it with her white. <laughs> she took like, 95 to right. be honest within the so, like, first day. Point, 
Yeah. So like now I need to, for myself, eat Popeye's at 2.30 in the morning because that's like <laughs> that was so funny to me. I was like, yes, you are in New Orleans. Get some Popeye's. And it was hidden too. Like, um, but yeah, like as an introvert, like I definitely need to like, you know, people say that they're the extroverted introvert, but like I actually am. And mm-hmm. like I be social and I can do things but I also like when the lockdown happened I was like this is fine for me (laughs) (laughs) I'm good over here frankly like I need to recharge I need to reset I'm sure that was really a lot of energy and like energy that he probably thought would be spent like getting to know these people was now energy that he expended having to defend himself right to also have to defend himself in a way that was like, uh, not like, yeah, but like you have to expend it in a certain way, which is even more exhausting mm-hmm. so that you are heard. And so that you're not seen as angry black person number right. 50,000. So yeah, like I get it. And I also got like, you know, just him. I also think like there's another aspect to it where like I don't think his life is exactly where he wants it to be so he maybe talk about it you know you know I I was wondering about that because I was like dude you don't have kids just say so but then it's like if he answers that question they're gonna be 50 more to follow right right and so it might seem like oh why can't you just tell us like what you do with your day but like you know he just he can't do that and that's fine but it's, I understand why people get confused, but I also understand him too. I, yeah, I, you know, I, what, you know, what thrilled me though the most is like when he likes something or when he's focused, he's very focused. Like, mm-hmm. dude, when he was like, I thought I, I cried at the scene, but I also, it was so hilarious. Like, when he's choir directing them in the studio, like he's playing very intently and then he's like, whisper. And like, (laughs) I loved it so much. And then even when he like was painting with Lionel in them and he's asking Lionel, he's like, hey Lionel, so you want this uh, stroke to go in this direction or something to that effect? I was like, when he gives a shit, he gives a shit. So Julie really, really, really denied not just Tokyo a great experience, but Julie denied the other people in the house a great experience of Tokyo because when he's committed, it seems like from those small moments that when he's in on something, he gets really in on it. And yeah. And if he had been given the space to really get into this house, we could have seen so much more, probably. I agree. Because I think he came into it wanting to be open. Yes. That was why. I was like, that was why Julie really took advantage of him. Because he did overdo it. I was like, why won't you just leave that woman on the floor? But he, like, (laughs) he really wanted to show compassion and and it felt like an apology for everything that happened 20 years ago. And for that girl to shit on it that way. And then also, I was so surprised Danny wasn't pissed off because, I don't know, I'm I'm a straight girl who loves gay shit. But, like, I understand that I'm a straight girl who loves gay shit and that there is a sacred space that, you know, I'm not entitled to. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so crazy that you would go to this gay bar this drag show and make 
that night about you. Not respectful of their art, not respectful of Danny. Yeah. And it was just like such an obnoxious straight girl night to have. And I was I was shocked Danny was so diplomatic about that. I agree. Like they don't go to the clubs for you to be like, you know, with your uh, gold slogger breath, like hanging all <laughs> and screaming Lady Gaga lyrics in their ear. Like, you know, the incorrect lyrics at that. Like, that's <laughs> not what it's for, okay? It's not what it's for. Um, I, I appreciate Melissa for, I don't think she understood, and I think she may have even been a little bit frustrated with Tokyo, but I think... I appreciate her like reaching out and being like, I am a safe space. Like, please utilize me in the future. Like I'm here and I want to be here. And I, it seems like based on social media that they have maintained a relationship and it's yeah. really cute. It's really yeah, cute. I like the little click that formed, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sad or whatever, but I'm, I'm just confused as to why Jamie's not part of it. And I don't know. You know, he just seems in the middle and it just feels like, not that you have to choose sides, he's a grown man, but like, it just just sort of speaks to like, my inability to like, put a finger on him. Maybe he doesn't want to be fingered, but like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> like, um, well, hopefully he does, Julie hopes he does. But like, he, but like, I just don't know where to place him because maybe he doesn't know where he is. It seems like he's not confident in who he was and even you know just in the confessionals he didn't have any great insight either so maybe Mm -hmm. he just is floating but you know it's like very clear Danny Melissa um Kelly um are like good friends and Melissa you know tweets about having spoken to Tokyo and stuff so like I just you know oh my god I showed you that picture of uh, from Julie's Instagram, right? <laughs> yes, of her. At, well, I was really confused with what she was doing. Like, was she trying to make people guess that it was Sir or Pump? Or was she genuinely confused as I to where think, the- I, I don't know. Because I was like, there's no way you don't know that you're at Pump or Sir. There's right. no way you don't know. You don't end up there without intention. It's not a I'm walking down the streets of West Hollywood, stumble in there kind of bar. You have to go there with intention. And Julie said that she flies back and forth between L.A. and Wisconsin often. So why are you pretending you don't know what bar <laughs> pump is? And so why weird. are you disappointed on Instagram that their quesadilla is limited edition and that it won't come in? she's so weird so if you guys didn't see it it was like the picture of the garden which like you have to go in like it's in the back for you guys you have to walk back there to be in the garden um and so she posted this picture it was like does anybody know what this place is like it was very weird but she's a weirdo um and i don't like her no i i never want to see her on tv again and we'll probably get into it but like based on what um kelly said on her instagram i think bunna murray would actually be and not even like trying to exaggerate or you know make julie sound scarier than she is but like i really do think it would be a big mistake if bunna murray put her on any of those like challenge all-stars or anything seasons i agree she doesn't need to be rewarded no she doesn't for bad and it's not like oh obnoxious behavior it's like bad behavior 
it's not enjoyable for television. No, it's like, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you used the word compelling earlier and I love feeling feelings when I'm watching TV. But one thing I reject wholeheartedly is feeling secondhand embarrassment to the point where I'm cringing in my body. Like I should not be in my body uncomfortable while watching other people's experiences. Like that's, too stressful and I don't know that that makes for a, the kind like we got eight episodes of Julie and that was more than enough like imagine and you know how long these challenge series seasons go oh my goodness yeah Mm-mm. no thank you um so let's talk about Kelly's post um so she posted this four days ago well it'll be about a week after when you guys listen to this but um it starts off by saying the truth matters Many of you have voiced confusion at some of my responses and reactions thus far on the real world homecoming New Orleans. For the people who have long been a part of this amazing community with me and have wondered if there is more to the story, there is. As of this post, I have not seen the final episode. First, let me say what an honor and a privilege it was to be part of a show that amplifies the voices of the LGBTQ plus and demands we have... um, and demands we have hard conversations about race and religion. The desire to further these conversations was the primary reason I agreed to do the show. I believe the show achieved that mission in the first four episodes, and for that reason, I will proudly stand with the show this weekend at the Critics' Choice Real TV Awards. The real world at its best is brave and groundbreaking, and I'm proud to be a part of it. I humbly believe this show will help to move the needle towards inclusion and compassion. The reason for my departure was simple. I felt the need to protect myself and I listened to my instincts. This is what some of what happened. I was shown a photo of a cast member's husband's erection without my consent. I was asked on many occasions how many times I had masturbated and was baited into conversations of, of a sexual nature against my consent. Uh, these things were gross and uncomfortable and should not happen at work. However, they were not enough to make me leave a show I was excited to be a part of. The following is why I made that decision. The day before I chose to leave, which was five days prior to the end of scheduled filming, the cast, this cast member, on our day off with no main cameras operating, was angered that I seemed to have broken the coffee machine. I offered to fix what was broken, and the cast member screamed, you fucked it up and became irate. This person threw their arms in the air and screamed, how does it feel to be a fucking idiot? How does it feel to be the dumb one? While she backed me into the corner of the kitchen. Uh, I tried to disarm this cast member and said I was sorry, and the cast member then got in my face and said, no more Mrs. Nice blank for you, and continued to scream at me as I left the kitchen. It's important to say that this was a pattern of menacing behavior that seemed to be escalating. Even after this threat, I tried to remain calm and finish the show as I intended to. The next morning, on a car ride to a brunch, the same cast member said, I have a plan and I intend to execute it. Based on the dread I was feeling about what might happen next, I chose to trust my instincts that it was time for me to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she like really goes in in the caption about how like the last episode there was a parade outside the house, and so she used that to move, get her pack her shit up <laughs> and leave. <laughs> um, and then she says that on camera she said her decision to leave was due to her own general feelings about the show as a way to keep the calm and be able to remove herself without further incident you may see me hugging this person and reassuring them all of which was my way to protect myself by remaining affable and non-confrontational apparently it's called fawning when i was leaving that cast member said if i stop will you stay I cannot state enough how much I had struggled with this one cast member and how they seemed to target me from the start. 
Others, other cast members had told me to leave and said that they too felt I was not safe and I know I made the right decision. Basically, like she says that she was happy. To, she's happy to move on from it. She was present when she was on, on the show and she's really confused about like the direction the editors took with the, the show. Yeah. And how Why are they protecting Julie again? Why? Because there like even when they showed us never before seen clips there was like some really fucked up racial shit she said that didn't make it to air why mm -hmm. does like why does mtv seem to think that she's their star of this cast it's so bizarre it's really really dark i i think people get confused as to like just because they're like sucking all the air out of the room doesn't mean that they deserve attention right <laughs> Or, and, or protect and, it, and, and that measure too. Like I'm, but I'm wondering if she purposely waited until it was a non-shooting day to do something like that to um to Kelly. Like obviously she didn't anticipate Kelly breaking the coffee machine, but like was it? I'm sure she was thrilled that on an off-camera day she gets to do to Kelly what she's always wanted to do to Kelly. I'm just shocked that there was resentment toward Kelly like that because even when, you know, when she's trying to gas like Kelly in the, uh, in the garden when Kelly first confronts her, she says, you just want me to be this Mormon girl and I'm not. And I'm like, there has been nothing from Kelly that indicates that she wants you to be anything other than a decent human being. So right. what are you bringing, like what baggage, what hang up are you bringing to this interaction? Like, what is it about Kelly that made you focus in on her? Because I bet anything she would never have tried that shit with melissa you know so like what yeah. is it about are you jealous that kelly's like this beautiful woman who has a nice life and is married to like a party of five stars isn't that crazy <laughs> <laughs> so crazy i and like now thinking about the timing of that that was like right after kelly had just told everybody about how viciously she was bullied and how yeah. people would like, back her into small spaces and spit on her like you're wild, dude. You're really wild. That and she's took advantage of that. She's clearly like, like, uh, whatever. It's not, who cares about whether or not people are good people or not. But like, truly, like, by the end of this, um, by the end of this series, I was like, oh, Julie's, it's not like, Julie's like an, a bad person, which is like a childish way to refer to somebody. But like, I truly got the sense that she does not move with good intention at all. And mm -hmm. and that's a weird thing to think about because every person thinks of themselves as good or, you know, they believe their causes or the things they pursue are noble or at least decent and they should be doing them. The motivation is not bad to them. But I I I was I really just have concluded that Julie intends to be bad to people and anybody who intends to be bad to people is a bad person in my eyes. And I just am so shocked that we've arrived here. She has no scruples whatsoever. Yeah. And I think she really gets off on being like the, the Mormon girl who escaped and she's like liberal compared to that, like incredibly conservative world that she grew up in. And she thinks that's enough. But right. And, Go ahead. She's extremely ignorant, and it's weird. It's just weird. She also seems to think, like, her story is more important than it is, and, like, 
of anybody on reality TV, that's probably the case. But she seems to think like that this, yeah, like you said, the the more she like gets off on that. But like we're in 2022. And so like a white lady who likes to fuck a lot isn't like it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, (laughs) it really doesn't. Oh my god. Um, do you have any final thoughts about the season? I'm like, damn, can we get another one? I want one immediately. I I I can't believe that. So I didn't watch New York or LA. Right. Neither um, did I. I was scared a little bit, to be honest. Um I, I, because those seasons are so openly racially charged. Yeah. Um, I just it was. I thought it, I anticipated it being ske- uh, uh, stressful for me, and then when I saw the clip of Tammy having to explain why you can't say n words, I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> never mind." Um, Tina, okay, with that cigarette I, hanging out of her mouth. Yeah. Pardon? I didn't hear you. Oh yeah, with the cigarette hanging out of her mouth. She got her boyfriend to come beat up David. Like, who? <laughs> Those are her husband. Excuse me. Yeah, that's all I saw. <laughs> but um, but what was interesting about what drew me to this New Orleans one was one, like obviously there was race conversations the whole time, but it wasn't going to be like confronting your racist roommate at, or so I thought. And so mm. I was more at ease coming into it. And then also too, like this season aired when I was 12 and I have such a vivid memory of it. And I, and it, and it was around the time where I was in like seventh grade, you know? So like mm-hmm. I, I, these people left a real impression on me and I was just really excited to see them. I really did want to know what they were up to. And I really, really um, enjoyed getting to see what they were doing and what they had done with the time. And, you know, just kind of acknowledging that, you know, these people who seemed so cool when I was 12 are like people who are, you know, adults who had gone through things and suffered as a result of this show. I think it was like the first season where like they seem they were self-aware enough. They knew what the real world was, but it's not like the the really sort of savvy um, camera hungry. That's also probably why the Julie shit is so jarring because nobody was that savvy in the first go round and to watch Julie be on purpose so savvy just broke the magic of um what they were all trying to do but yeah I loved it I I I I, look I don't know what I gotta do maybe like stalk Melissa or whatever she gotta be my homie and um (laughs) and like you know I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Tokyo becomes because I hope he sees how positively everybody has reacted to him and mm-hmm. you know he even if he remains the introvert that he is and wants to be you know just knows that we weren't laughing at him and if it felt like we were that's MTV's fault because they didn't show us who he was but he came this time and you know corrected some of that and I hope he feels good about that. I always have, like, if I watch a good show, I, like, have these, like, selfish pop culture wishes. Um, My three wishes from this show are that, like, Tokyo gets a job on Tabitha Brown show, being some sort of (laughs) musical um, accompanist, okay? That would be lovely. 
it would be so good. <laughs> um, I want Melissa back on our television because I think she's one of the most genuinely funny people. Yeah. People deserve to see that on television. She's so funny. Be a writer or something. Um, and selfishly, like I would like to, and you can come if it happens, I'll be sure to DM <laughs> you. Um, I would like to have drinks with Melissa and Jamie and Danny. And I just want to like really sit Jamie down and be like, okay. <laughs> now that you've seen all that footage of Julie, like, what's really going on in your mind here? Like, let's really spill the tea. I really want to know, like, what he thinks about all that he's witnessed on television. Because I don't I think Jamie's wife, we, like, I know you two grown to fight, but I would be finding ways <laughs> to get to Wisconsin, you know? Right. It's not, not a far drive. No. <laughs> not from Chicago. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. I've been like wanting to talk about the real world and I've been texting my friends furiously, but I haven't had an out loud conversation about it. So like, it feels good, right? (laughs) It feels so good. Cause there was like so much that I just wanted to dump into the world. (laughs) Yes. Um, Tell everybody where they can find you. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Raysani. You can find me on Instagram at roughfizzle87. Um, you know, when I jump back into stand up seriously, all the dates will be there. Uh, also, um, there's a show coming on Freeform called Everything's Trash, um, starring Phoebe Robinson, one of the two dope queens. I wrote on that show. And yes. so it would be really, really cool if on July 14th, when it premieres, you watch it and have a blast. Um, I think it's a really excellent show. And um, I'm so proud of the work we did. So. You guys, if you like that sort of stuff, you know, Phoebes and all that, please watch. It'll be fun. Yeah. I'm excited. Freeform's like an underrated little network over there. I, I really like what I know. I was like, okay, okay, I see what y'all are doing. And yeah. uh, so I'm thrilled to to have worked with them. And, um, you know, if you watch the show, then we'll get a season two and I'll make more money. Woo! exactly exactly (laughs) thank you so much ray you have a good day thank you you too Uh, whole thing that's so sad is she wants a baby boy and now this girl's having a baby boy random that he sleeps with one night him oh i was so team him she doesn't deserve this she doesn't deserve this she has this has to be the wonderful son like this it couldn't be more awful. I just didn't know she knew about this. No, I don't. We don't know if she knows. How do we know if she knows? That's the thing. Yeah. We don't know. We have no idea if she knows. She's not responding. I said it to her and I said, call me. Oh, this is her. I'll call you right back. Hi. Hi. Did you see what I sent you? No. Hang on. What the f- oh my god, my face <laughs> hurts. I just watched this episode of the Kardashians. I, <laughs> you guys, best episode of the series so far. <sighs> I'm like faint. Let's talk about this. Okay, so the title of the episode is Bucket List Goals, but I'm going to alternatively title it Tristan Part 3. The embryo strikes back. Okay. Um, last week we were left on the cliffhanger 
of a lifetime as we find out right before Kim jets off to the Dominican Republic that um, in her in her new private jet, by the way, that uh, her betrothed Pete Davidson has given her a mystery gift. Okay, we're not privy to what this special present is as of last episode. So thank you, editors, for not letting us wait another second. Okay, we find out that they're dibs. Okay, the um, chocolate covered little ice cream nugget snack. Okay, Um, Kim says that they're very hard to find. I would maybe encourage her to just go to walgreens.com. I did a quick Google. Um, they're two for five right now, Kim, if you want to get a deal. I think they're one for two ninety nine, just in case. Um, she says that this is like one of their favorite snacks. It's so hard to find. Pete does all of these little thoughtful things that really make her, you know, her skims a little moist in the panty section. And... She's loving it, okay? Apparently, Pete told her, give me, like, four months and you're going to be obsessed with me. And apparently, that's exactly what happened. A producer asks Kim, are you guys in love? And Kim kind of, you know, she she milks every moment out of this. She's smiling like a little Cheshire cat, much like I was watching her sister get cheated on again. Um, And she says, you know, I don't really know if that's your business, okay? So then what happens... Um. Yeah, I mean, I've been really thinking about this for quite some time. And by quite some time, I mean, like, like four days ago when I saw this TikTok. Um, it was of Steph Shep. Um, who's the one that does way the hair care? I always forget her name. Sorry, girl. (laughs) You know, congrats on the shampoo. You know, she didn't, um, actually, she didn't uh, accept the offer for to do ads on this podcast. So fuck her. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, what's her name? doesn't matter. Anyway, I saw a video of like basically the tangential, the, the crew, the non Kardashian part of the Kardashian, you know, the, the various staff members, stylist, glam squad, you know, the others. And they were in Italy clearly for Courtney's, uh, this was like footage from Courtney's wedding. And I just thought how weird it must be. To be one of those people, you know, who's there, but you're not the family and you just serve as a support to this family. I really have a hard time wrapping my mind around like, like when I watched Genius, right? The Kanye documentary, I was thinking, what if Kanye didn't become famous, you know? And so what if Kanye never became famous and this guy... Cootie just spent like years of his life dedicating time out of his own life to document all of Kanye's life on the off chance that he would have become a superstar. And thank God for him, (laughs) he did because how was he, there was no possible way that like when they were in Chicago grinding that Cootie would have known that like 20 years later, he'd be signing a 30 million deal, $30 million deal with Netflix. Like, first of all, Netflix wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Like, this just, it's just so hard for me to understand, like, these people whose whole lives revolve around being a support to this celebrity or this family. How do they feel? How do they feel like you're not really ever going to be on the inside? Right? It's just odd to me. Um, So like Kim's talking to her friend on the private jet and the friend's just gushing about how sweet Pete is. And this is your moment, girl. Like, ugh, 
<laughs> I consider myself to be like a really good friend. And I would just never like have these goo goo gaga moments of like, oh my God, look at you. You got a private jet. I cannot believe it. You're a real girl boss. Like, congrats. You work so hard. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Ugh. So as this, like, friend is gushing over these, like, ice cream snacks that Pete gave her, uh, Kim's like, well, actually, is that, like, a nice thing or is it actually a dick move because I'm about to be shooting a cover for Sports Illustrated? So thanks, asshole. Um, The next scene is Courtney. She's about to have lunch with Steph Shep. Okay, another one who just really her whole purpose of this scene is to serve as, like, the emotional support friend to Courtney. First of all, we have to talk about what they had for lunch. They sat down to a plate of avocado, like one half of an avocado that Courtney um, squeezed with lemon and a side of quail eggs. It was like a meal that I would think like Mr. Burns from the Simpsons would eat like quail eggs. She says, you know, of course, it's some frou-frou, woo-woo, bull shit that Courtney's done. She says that she heard that quail eggs, eating quail eggs is going to help with fertility, but she doesn't know where she got it from. She has not Googled this fact. She's done no research on it her own. She's just popping rare quail eggs into her mouth three times a day, apparently. Sick. She's a sick woman. So anyway, Steph teased this whole conversation up by asking oh, has Travis been filming the show with you and how has the process of filming been going? And what we get is like the most delusional, like the most deliciously delusional scene I've ever had the displeasure of watching from Courtney. And she talks about how she and Travis collectively, we are annoyed that we're being roped into all this drama with Scott and how she had just watched because they're, you know, executive producers and they get to, you know, have some sort of editorial power over the episodes. She just watched the episode that had to do with her engagement. And she was like, I just felt like producers chose me to be the one that had all the drama and like, I just don't want to be roped into it. And like, why am I being the focus? And it's like, well, cause you just got engaged to a rock legend on camera. That would be why your engagement episode is the focus of the engagement episode, Courtney. Um, so it gets more delusional. 
she says that really she wants all of us like production me anybody that watches the show all of us listening to her right now and watching the show to all catch up with how crazy in love she is right now and that when she watched the episode and she saw the scene where Kendall asks her um do you feel bad for Scott at all in this moment do you feel any empathy for him because it feels like you don't (laughs) that moment she says she didn't even remember it until she saw it in the episode and that it was just like such a tiny moment and in the happiest day of her life and and how the focus should have been on that and she wants the show to be empowering (laughs) she wanted her engagement episode to be an empowering moment for us why (laughs) What are you talking about, girl? And here's the thing is that she's delusional. Okay. She doesn't understand that this is the reality. The reality is that Scott is pissed. The reality is that your family are having to like navigate his feelings and watching you and Travis, like you consume whatever bodily fluids Travis is uh, serving up in your mouth at any given moment. So that is the reality, girl. It might not be your reality because you're like in a constant state of orgasm, but it's the reality of everybody else. <laughs> and that's that. That's what she's not getting. And you know how we know that this is true, Courtney, because right before Kendall asked you about Scott, you tried to call your own children and they didn't want to answer the phone because they were upset that you got engaged without them or that you got engaged at all. So it is a reality, you know? <laughs> So we can't really celebrate all your happiness when not everybody's happy for you. We're not really even happy for you. And like, it's not like we don't see y'all's relationship. It's that we don't want to because it's gross. (laughs) So I'm sorry that you're not getting like a hashtag women's empowerment moment out of your engagement. I don't even know how that would happen anyway, But okay, it's not that people aren't happy for you, but it's that you don't understand what's going on outside of um, his mouth. And that's the problem. Sorry, girl. I don't know what to tell you. Like, really, we should all focus on things we can control, right? So if she would like to control getting Travis's fingers out of her vagina... Maybe we would all feel differently about your relationship. That's all I'm saying. Just a light suggestion. At any rate, like I'd said earlier, Kim flew down to the Dominican Republic to be like professionally hot for Skim's campaign in the Sports Illustrated cover. She ends up getting sick. But you know what? Nevertheless, she was able to still be beautiful. So congrats, girl. You did it. You know, see, this was an episode about empowerment. We did it. Sorry. Sorry it didn't happen to you, Courtney. (laughs) Um, Oh, Chris and Chloe go out to eat. We discover that Chris does not know how to pronounce Cacio e Pepe. Breaking news. Okay. Um, Chloe says that she's heard rumors that Chris and Corey got married. Um, They didn't. But then Chris brings up the fact that apparently that man that gave her true has been talking about engagement for quite some time. And Chloe says, I take marriage very seriously. I'm an excellent wife. Okay. Um, and I do want to get married to Tristan. We're not just like together to float around in the ether. Okay. But um, I also don't want to go into this lightly. Do you guys ever like sit and think, how is it possible 
that Tristan had been cheating on Chloe this entire time. And by the entire time, I don't mean like this time. I mean the entire time of their relationship. Um, How does she not know? How are you like that wealthy and people are around you? And now Tristan has a reputation for being a hoe, you know? So I feel like eyes are on him. How does she not know? How does this information not get back to her? How is that possible that he could like be up in the club doing what happened? Don't, excuse me. I'm seeing I'm getting upset. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's come. The devil's coming out of me when I talk about Tristan. Um, how is it possible that she just doesn't know? Do we think it's possible? Because I've never really considered it until this episode. And I'm thinking like, how, that's, mm, how, mm. I'm choosing not to believe that. I I don't think it's possible that she would have never had any inkling of an idea. Because, like, she's not going to tell us this, but they're engaged. They're engaged at this point. So, like, what's good, girl? The next scene, Courtney has uh, Benny Drama, that internet guy who dresses up like Courtney, um, to dress up like her and do a video for Poosh. Apparently, she does a poosh your wellness virtual festival every year i'm not sure which year she's referring to nor do i plan on finding out so this was obviously to me like courtney's attempt at like being nice i think she tried really hard and i'll just leave it at that next um kim's in the dominican republic the dibs have not only made it past the flight she's also having it for a dessert um She's talking about Pete again and how, again, it's just the little things with them. How one night they were together, he asked if she wanted to go to Thrifty to get ice cream. I don't know what Thrifty is. Is that is it the gas station? Maybe. Um, and how she got so horny at the, the idea that he would ask her that. And like, that was literally one of the best days of her life, apparently. Your girl is down bad. Okay. She's down real bad. She's called this man the best man she's ever, the best person she's ever met on the planet. And that was a night eating like dirty, gar- gar- whatever, <laughs> dirty gas station ice cream was the best night of her life. And she got so horny, you know, she's really, she's down bad. She's really down bad. Did you guys see, uh, Pete took, <laughs> Pete took, who was it? Saint to Cheesecake Factory <laughs> the other day. What's going on? What's going on? You guys? <laughs> I feel like, are we taking things too far? Are we not taking things far enough? I still like, am confused about this relationship. I'm like happy and I'm having a good time. I just like, don't really know which way is up. I'm still, I still got my eye on it. I still really do. Um, okay. So there were also several scenes in the episode of Chloe, like being a hashtag girl boss, finding America's next top good American gene model or something. And the, the hunt for that girl, several girls, actually, um, there was a lot of her like doing fake zoom calls and uh, we having to watch these girls cry. And Chloe was going on and on about like how she's like the Susan B. Anthony of, um, plus size jeans and, um, size inclusivity and, uh, yeah, um, great. And I'm, I, it gave me a lot of time to get my own thoughts. And I'm thinking, God, why are we having to suffer through all of this? And then I thought, oh, 
because she's about to um get some like Tammy Faye Baker style permanent clown makeup put on her face in about 10 minutes. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to mitigate all the clownery that's about to come. I get it. It's a means to an end. And I, I'm seeing the vision now. Later, Kendall and Chloe go baby shopping for Kylie. Kendall pretends like she's going to have a kid soon because she's like, you know, practically a handmaiden at 26. And, uh, you know, they, they get some clothes for Kylie's new baby boy. And, you know, probably should have saved some for True's new brother while you're at it. But I'll move on. I'll move on. Okay. Um, so... Chloe finishes her little, like, oh, all the models came to L.A. to do this shoot. Hooray for us, okay? And then we get a black screen that says 6.30 a.m., okay? It's um, a very densely foggy day morning in uh, Woodland Hills or whatever, and the production is outside of Kim's house. Hella early, they're not prepared, but somebody sensed something happening. And we're like, hey, girl, um, somebody get a camera up in here because uh, shit's going down in the gym. So a producer opens the sliding glass door of the gym. You hear Kim just like talking very loudly. <laughs> Finally, a camera focuses in on her. She's telling her uh, trainer to turn the music down. And we see Kim on the phone with Chris. <laughs> And so she says, did you, have you seen this whole declaration from Tristan about how he met this girl in Houston and slept with her on her 30th birthday? So apparently before she saw this declaration that just came out on the press and she sent that link, the article to the link to the article to Tristan and says, does Chloe know about this? As far as we know, uh, Tristan did not respond to her. So Kim's like ranting on the phone to her mom. She looks and Kylie's peeping in. So she hangs up with Chris. Kylie, like, clearly just woke up. So she goes, you're lying. <laughs> and Kim's like, no, girl, I'm not lying. Like, I'm literally shaking right now. I'm shaking for Chloe. And Kylie's like, okay, is Chloe awake? And Kim's like, no. Like, I texted her. She, I haven't gotten back to her. So she's like, okay, girl, like, let me read this declaration to you. She's like, I can't even believe Every time this happens, <laughs> I'm on fucking camera. <laughs> she goes, um, she reads back the declaration to Kylie in which Tristan says he only slept with, I'll just keep her name out of it. We'll call her petitioner. Cause that's what she's called in this declaration. Right. Um, that petitioner, he slept with a petitioner on one occasion, March, 2021, but because that said petitioner couldn't exactly pinpoint when that date that they slept together was he is now claiming that he can't definitively say that he is the father to this child like the flimsiest little excuse you ever could literally saying okay because now they're filming it's december nine months right um so he's like i couldn't possibly be me even though the dates line up perfectly okay girl okay so then Courtney's patching in. So now we have a merged call with Kim, Kylie, and Courtney. She goes on, Kim goes on to read the declaration in which Tristan says that the petitioner said she wanted to give him a special birthday present and that she was going to go over to his hotel room. He understood that, you know, special surprise to be sex and 
that's what it was. Okay. So Kylie then says, wait, you said her due date was December 3rd. That's today. And Kim's like, yeah, girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then Kim realizes, wait a minute. He said he slept with her at, after his birthday party. That's the birthday party that Chloe threw for him. So what I'm hearing is that he went to this party, left said party, and fucked petitioner. Yeah, Kim. That's exactly what happened. This man is evil incarnate. I cannot believe it. Um, so then Kim repeats, yeah, I sent this article to Tristan. I asked him if he had told Chloe at this point. Courtney's like, what if he hasn't talked to her about this stuff before it comes out? That's like insane. Kylie's like, no, all of this is insane. All of it is in general. It's like a never ending swirl. And then Courtney says, what it is is a never ending betrayal. So Kim says the real sad thing about this for her is that Chloe really wanted to have a baby boy with Tristan. And then here Tristan is slinging his uh, whatever out to one chick one time and boom, here she's pregnant with a baby boy. Like the, the irony, the true sick irony of that. <sighs> Lord. So then Kylie's like, okay, this has to be the last straw for him. Like, he is he literally the worst person on the planet? <laughs> so then they're like, Kim's like, you know what? Here's the thing that we don't know. We don't know what was going on with Chloe. We don't know what they know, what Chloe might know, what conversations she had with Tristan. Maybe it's entirely possible that Chloe knows all of this and she just hasn't told us. By the way, she's like started to work out at this point. She's doing <laughs> arm curls as she's on the phone. <laughs> with um kylie and courtney so then she's like okay mid curl chloe calls right so she hangs up with both of them answers chloe chloe clearly had just woken up and she's like um hey so kim goes uh did you see what i sent you and chloe goes no hang on what the fuck is this (laughs) to be continued and that Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is how we end on a cliffhanger, okay? Like, oh, I, I'm sick. I was smiling. I mean, chills. I'm a sick person. (laughs) It was, if you watch one episode, this would be the one to watch, you guys. And really, you could just watch like the last five minutes. You could watch the last five minutes. Highly highly recommend god bless thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking i'm as you listen to this on vacation hopefully having the time of my life this is my first vacation since 2017 i cannot wait so i goes i hope you guys have a great week i'll be back later love you bye (laughs) 